Well, here we go. It's good to have you tonight. Come on in. Time for church to start. Grab a seat. It's good to have you tonight. Uh, as we get going here and live stream kicks up, a couple things real quick. Kids are in with us for worship tonight, as happens on Wednesday nights. And as soon as our worship's over, you can check them in. We'll give you a moment to do that. Also, tonight is youth hangout tonight. So 5th to 12th grade will be following Chamberlain after our worship is done. They have their hangout tonight. A uh, couple things coming up, a couple things, a handful of things coming up. Don't forget, just in a couple weeks, we have our Good Friday uh, time of reflection uh, evenings from 6 to 8 p.m. on Good Friday. That's April the 7th. And when I come back up later, I'll tell you a little more about that. Then certainly uh, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, uh, we'll be here celebrating uh, the resurrection of Jesus. And also that morning before church, uh, we'll actually have a light breakfast for you. So if you come a little early, we'll have a little food for you. So that is Easter Sunday. Then a couple things happening in April also. We have a, a men's night on April the 14th, starting at 6.30. Uh, there's a sign-up at the back for that. That's for junior high age on up uh, for guys and even some of our younger guys. And that night's going to be fun. We're going to have a devotion, a little worship. But we have a guy coming in uh, that is an expert in first aid. He's going to teach us some first aid kind of stuff. And also, he's an expert in knot tires. So it's kind of like, uh, especially if you love outdoor stuff, it's a great night for you. And if you're not into that, come on out. It'll be a good night anyway. So uh, that's happening April the 14th. And then April the 29th, the ladies have an uh, event from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And it's called what? It's called Hi, My Name Is. Oh, hello. Anyways, uh, hello, my name is, and, and it's an event on identity, and there's going to be some food, some, some speakers, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, for both of those events, it's $5 a person. That just helps us cover our costs, and there are sign-up sheets for both of them at the back, um, so get your name on that, and for the ladies, that $5 will be due a week before that event, so anyhow. So if you have questions about that stuff, you can see her, see me, or, and we'll... Uh, help you out. Other than that, let's get up on our feet tonight. Say hi to like two or three people around you. Let them know it's good to see them tonight. Live stream is good to have you. Let's worship Jesus tonight. Yeah. 
so good you never give up you never give up on me oh what joy i found because of your love because of your love for me this evening. Go around and greet your family of faith. You bring your tablets in or no? Hello. Youth, go ahead and meet Chamberlain at the back. It's good to have you tonight. We'll give them a, a couple moments to get their kids uh, checked into Kids Church and all that. As we've been doing uh, this series on Wednesday nights on purpose, don't forget at the back we have our Dream Team sign-up sheets if you want to get involved in the ministry team here at the church. That's what that's about for that. Get it to me. Or if you're wondering about um, maybe a place to be, we do have these also back there. They actually say step three on the front. Uh, what that's about is if anybody's interested in being a member of the church, we take you through something called Next Steps. We explain a lot of things about the church. But part of it is, uh, for those that are interested, there's like a gift assessment uh, profile thing in here. So if you're interested in filling that out, this is also back there. Fill that out, get it back to me, and maybe uh, this can help us find a place that fits you a little bit uh, in the things that we're doing here at the church. So those things are at the back, uh, back there. Also, um, as far as Good Friday and Easter is, I'll explain Good Friday. Time of reflection uh, is from 6 to 8 p.m. that night on April the 7th on Good Friday. Uh, it is not a service that starts from 6 to 8. We don't have a service, but what it is is that night there will be six different stations in the church, and you can come anytime between 6 and 8 and spend as much time as you want going through the stations, and each station has a reflection concerning uh, the Passion Week, uh, Good Friday, the crucifixion of Jesus, and it sort of leads us into then our celebration of resurrection on Easter Sunday. So uh, those are good nights, and, and if you've been with us at Time of Reflection last year, uh, you, you know what that's about. But I encourage you to come out. It's a wonderful time for families to be together uh, and spend some time talking about those things with your kids, and it's, it's just a good time. So make plans to be with us for that. So tithe and offering, if you do have something to give, uh, you can prep that offering all those in the chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around and we'll help you out. But uh, I'll pray over that and you can bring it down if you have something tonight. Lord, we, we thank you uh, for being able to come tonight and to gather together and to come in unity into your house. Uh, this is your house. This is your church. And this is about you. And I pray that all we do glorify you. As we continue in our worship and our giving, Lord, that uh, it is the overflow of thanksgiving from our hearts because of your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you so much for that. Lord, that your provision is always going in front of us. It's always before us. 
and the times you've made a way where there seems to be no way, times when it seems like things were too tight, but it worked out, Lord. You are always working, even when we don't understand it, and we thank you for those things as we give tonight. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen. All right. Well, it is good to have you. Uh, by the way, uh, Sunday morning, this coming Sunday, Pastor Rick Burks is going to be here with you. So, uh, and I know you guys love Pastor Rick. He's uh, he's coming, and he's got a word for you, so uh, we're going to look forward to that. Um, I will not be here, so I'm letting you know in advance. Sorry. I'm preaching once a year. Once a year, I preach at Pastor Justin Duell's church in Deschler, Ohio, so this Sunday is my um, time to be with him. So Pastor Rick's coming here. I'm heading to Deschler, but that's no reason for you not to be here, because Pastor Rick always brings a great word, and I know you love him, and he loves you guys. So uh, be prepared for that on Sunday. So, having said that, if you got your Bibles, the book of Nehemiah, you'll find that in the Old Testament, after the book of Ezra, and uh, I believe right before the book of Esther. We've been talking about purpose on Wednesday nights. This is, I think, our fourth week on that. Um, I think it's important in life that you discover purpose, you discover God-given responsibility, because in that you end up making a difference in our world. It's not so much that you're making a difference, but it's God working through you to make a difference. Um, and and we've, a lot of different things we've been talking about in this series, I don't want to go back over it, but just understand that each person in the wonderful design of God has purpose from God. And remember, the base level purpose that everybody has is the responsibilities you carry in your life, your marriage, your kids, your job, okay? Those are base level responsibilities and purpose that we have in our hand that we're accountable to, amen? But then beyond that, there, I believe that God has individual, unique callings and purposes uh, for people. And, and as we go through life, it's not so much trying to always discover this big life purpose, but living out what God speaks to you, what's in your hand now, be obedient to that, and that'll always take you down the road of what God has for you, okay? And there, there are some people that they get what they consider a calling of God in their life, and they know this big picture thing. Okay, that's great, but it's not that way for everybody necessarily, but everybody has something. So it's, it, it's like uh, this idea that it's not that God treats each one different. He treats us all in the same, but how he gives and distributes is not the exact same, if that makes sense. Okay? So everybody has purpose. So what I want to do is just look at Nehemiah tonight uh, and, and just draw out something. There's so many different examples in the Bible that we could go to about something like this. But I want to use Nehemiah as an example of not only hearing from God, but carrying out purpose in his life. But a little background here uh, to the book of Nehemiah. Just kind of set this up a little bit. Uh, after the reign of Solomon, so you got David, right? You have Saul, David, and Solomon. The kingdom of Israel, the nation of Israel, became a divided kingdom. And, and if you read through the Old Testament, you see this happen. You have, uh, at this point, Judah and Israel. They're a divided kingdom. If you notice, and it starts talking about there's different kings that, that oversee these uh, two different nations. Um, a couple hundred years after that happened, uh, Israel was toppled and conquered by Assyria. So Assyria took over. And a couple hundred years after that, Babylon, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, that's the whole story, they overcome and take over uh, Judah. And at this time, they take exiles out of Judah to Babylon, and, and, and they pretty much not only wipe out uh, the temple and the walls of, uh, of Judah, the surrounding city of uh, Jerusalem, because if you think about it, when the kingdom's divided, you have Israel and Judah. Jerusalem was in Judah, okay? Just put it that way. Uh, it was destroyed. They take exiles out. So the book of Daniel would be an example of this time period, okay? Um, but there was time then when Babylon is conquered by Persia. So you have these, these uh, conquering nations, and it's just the history of our world. When Persia conquers Babylon, there, there started to become an opportunity for some of these exiles to return to their promised land, okay, to Judah and Israel. And the book of Nehemiah is 
story of Nehemiah hearing from God and going back to Jerusalem and heading up the rebuilding of the walls around Jerusalem, in other words, the safety of the city, and of course in this time that the temple is going to be rebuilt, and all these different kind of things. So that sort of leads into this story. So Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse number 1. And it says, The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, Now it happened in the month of, of Chislev, in the 27th year, as I was in Susa the citadel, that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with, a, with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. So there are those that had escaped this exile of taking people out of uh, uh, Jerusalem. And then they're coming to give a report of the state of Jerusalem. And this is what they said, verse 3. And they said to me, the remnant there in the providence who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. So obviously when the Babylonians came in, they pretty much just wiped the place out. Uh, and so Nehemiah is now getting a report of the state of his promised land, his city that he loves. And of course, we know this devastates his heart. So chapter 2 and verse uh, number four. Uh, so, kind of leading up to this, Nehemiah um, kind of throws himself out to God concerning this. Obviously, this is terrible. It's, it's not something that he wants to see, nor is it anybody that is Jewish, nor is it anybody that's been exiled, nor is it anybody escaped the exile and still there. This is just this is devastation. Um, so, Nehemiah prays about this, and, he, and he's starting to get a kind of a word from God about this. So he goes to the king of Persia, who he is the cupbearer to the king. So chapter 2 and verse number 4. Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So Nehemiah goes a request to the king. So I prayed uh, to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And jump down to verse number 12, just kind of uh, put an emphasis on this. He gets permission. But he says here, Then I rose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one, watch this, what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. And there was no animal with me but the one I was on. And it talks about his traveling there. So what God has placed in Nehemiah's heart was a purpose. And his purpose was to lead the head up the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. Okay, so this is a great purpose. It's a big task. And I would encourage you later to read through the book of Nehemiah to see the rest of this. But uh, something grabbed Nehemiah's heart is a purpose, a directive from God. And what followed, and this is kind of important, what followed wasn't just, hey, I heard something that's neat, but what followed was a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication. Kind of with that was, and if you read the story, not only was there hard work and dedication, but once they started doing this, then they found opposition from surrounding peoples, and there was actually factions with the Jewish people itself about this happening. So there's a directive from God, there was a response and obedience to it, it turned into a plan of action, purpose becoming action, but even in the midst of it, facing a lot of opposition to what was going on, but yet through it all, as you see in the story, the walls were rebuilt, and the purposes of God are regaining themselves and moving forward for the nation of Israel. So, purpose. Something that purpose-filled people do is to actually be purposeful. It's one thing to hear God give directive in your life. It's a whole other thing to put action to it. It's like we said a couple weeks ago. How many things, or is there a word in your life that you have not put to action? Is there something that God has called you to, something that God purposed in your heart that you put on a shelf and is gaining 
just dust. And it's just sitting there. See, Nehemiah, and then there was a great desire and passion in his heart for this. But I think it's pretty obvious that this was not going to be easy. It was pretty obvious it was going to entirely change his life. It was pretty obvious that there was going to be opposition to this once it got started, but yet Nehemiah was obedient to what had been given to him. In other words, this is where responsibility comes into play. Now, here's, here's what I know. Where there's responsibility, there's accountability. We talk a lot in the church about stuff you shouldn't do, right? Sin. Even things that may not necessarily be sinful, but they're not really beneficial to you. We talk a lot about that stuff. We also got to talk a lot about what you should be doing. Not just what you shouldn't be doing, but what should you be doing? Well, one of the things that you should be doing is not only hearing and discerning the voice and the leading of God in your life concerning action of your life, but obeying it and being accountable to that. There's a mentality of the church that kind of plays into a bigger picture than just this, but sort of like this. We, we can often be very loud about what we're against, but what are we for? You know what I'm talking about? I, I am against I'm against abortion. I can be very loud about that, but, but am I for those young ladies going through that to help them, to equip them, to share the gospel with them, give them a choice? See what I'm getting at? I can be against a whole lot of stuff, but ultimately the gospel is not just about what we, we are not because of sin, but the gospel offers life. It's not just being against something, but what are we for? See what I'm getting at? But this also plays in that mentality. I know things I should not be doing in my life, but what should I be doing? See, God, God doesn't say don't just do this, but he also puts things in your path to do. He puts stuff in your hands. It's part of your life change. And part of life change that God has for you is the things he calls you to do. Because the things he calls you to do will cause you to lean on him, and that's part of the process of change in your life. See what I'm getting at? So I can, I can know, I can know I'm to grow the fruit of the Spirit. What's fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, guidance, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now I'm fruit of the Spirit. But how does that actually play out in my life? Part of the way that plays out and grows in my life because I'm being accountable to responsibility that caused me to grow into things that God has for me. So, on a very basic level, again, back, back to one of the most simple things we can think about, one of the purposes of my life is my marriage. I entered into that willingly, now it's a responsibility that I'm accountable for. You realize the more I grow to be a better husband, I will grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Isn't that right? Uh, another uh, accountability that we have, we're to be a light in the world, right? The more I learn to grow into being a light in the world, I'll grow in things like the fruit of the Spirit. See how that goes hand in hand? The more we respond in obedience to the actions we are to do, the more the Christ-like nature is available to grow in us because it will cause it to happen. Because I cannot interact with my wife consistently the way I should without me changing for the better. See what I'm getting at? And it goes into, it goes into then purpose of life. So again, uh, my calling in life is to pastor, okay? As I grow and, and I, I I strive to be better in my calling, I will grow and change to be more Christ-like in that process. So I know I'm not supposed to be a sinner, but I also know I'm to be a pastor. I'm not just against something, but I'm for something. And what I'm for will help me grow. 
So when we start to respond to God-given purpose and responsibility that we're accountable to in our life, it will cause growth in us that's vital to our growth into Christ-likeness. So what things has God spoken to your heart that you put on a shelf? What things has he called you, purposed you, that you are not active in? Well, you realize, unless that's a timing of God thing, not, not everything you hear is right then. There's always a timing of God discernment. But if it's not that, what are you waiting for? Because it's not just accomplishing something. It is part of the growth of your life. God is calling you to this in part to draw things out of you in dependency upon him. These things all go hand in hand. You can't separate them. So we have to learn, and this is very important, we've got to learn to take responsibility for what we are doing and also what we're not doing. So what are you to be doing? This is the question to ponder. Nehemiah, in our story here, Nehemiah was about the business of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. He heard a directive from God, a purpose put in his heart, and that direction changed his life. So, obviously, getting married changed my life. I wasn't a single guy running around doing whatever I wanted to do all the time. Now I've had another voice of reason in my life. I had a voice of maybe giving me some direction, too. Back in the day when you may still use your GPS, you know, and it talks to you. It's always a woman's voice, right? Now I'd be getting that woman's voice, I'd be getting that woman. I get two ladies telling me what to do when I'm driving. It's just what happens. I mean, I'm just like, holy cow. Silence one, can't silence that one, but you know. But now, but see, my life absolutely changed. That, that makes sense. Then we had kids, I got responsibility, I'm accountable. My life changed. When I realized the call to pastoring before I got married, my life changed. Purpose always brings change to your life. Purpose always redirects your priorities. It redirects what you're about. Nehemiah changed everything he was doing. He was a cupbearer to the king of Persia, and all of a sudden now he's heading back to Judah, to Jerusalem, to embark on a journey to rebuild some walls with some people. His life was entirely changed. And in these things, these are things that cause you to have to grasp on God. That's the amazing thing about purpose. God gives purpose that you need him to accomplish. If you can do it without him, it probably wasn't from him. Or at least you're trying to do it without him, and that's not good. Again, on the most basic level, to be the husband I'm supposed to be, I can't do that without him. To be the father I'm supposed to be, I can't do it without him. To be the pastor I'm supposed to be, I can't do it without him. All purpose drives you right back to him. Again, this is his growth process growing and learning and changing. But we've got to take responsibility for the actions of our life. See, at the end of the day, you can't blame shift away from not fulfilling purpose and responsibility in your life. Remember the story of Adam and Eve in the garden? Eve gets the fruit, Adam partakes with her, and the serpent was behind the whole thing, right? And remember when God came in? Remember what Adam said? It was the woman. You can go read this. He blamed her. And Eve said, well, wait a second. It was the serpent tricked me. They blame shifted right down the line, and God judged all three of them. You cannot blame shift responsibility out of your life. You must be accountable to what you know God has said bed. See? But by the way, that's why I'm hesitant for people always telling me, God told me to do this, and God told me to do that. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You realize the weight of what you're saying there? You know, you know I, I have people do that. They'll come to me and say, the Lord told me to do this. What do you think? I'm like, what do you ask me for? You said God said, well, what does my opinion matter? You, you just go do what God said. Why are you asking me? Right? 
But when we know the Lord directs, it doesn't mean we will never make mistakes and, and, and things like that. But the point being, when we know God says, now there is a responsibility and accountability that comes with it. Right? We've got to learn to be responsible for what the Lord speaks to us. And we can't blame shift things away from us when we're not living in accountability to the things that the Lord has spoken to us. So, in life, in a general way, I've got to be very aware, based on, uh, on the basic level of what it means to be called a Christian, all the way to calling. So, kind of like this, for me, and I can only talk about me, the example I know best. In just being a Christian, all the way to, to being a husband, and, and a father, and a pastor, and other things that I do with my life, I've got to be aware of my actions within that. There's accountability to that. So, for instance, um, drunkenness is a sin. It's not right. I need to be aware that I shouldn't be messing around with stuff. I'm accountable for my actions. I'm accountable in how I know I treat my wife, but also how I treat other women in the fact that I'm married. I'm accountable for my actions. I'm accountable to how do I treat my kids. I'm accountable to how do I pastor a church. I'm accountable to everything that I do based on what God has said and what I know he has said. Right? I'm also accountable to my reactions. How do I respond in life? I'm accountable for what I do and I'm accountable for how I respond. Right? I'm accountable to how I respond as a Christian. I'm accountable to how I respond as a husband, as a father, as a pastor. All the things that I do, I'm accountable. I'm accountable to, to the way I simply go about living based on what I understand and know. Now, what if the Lord changes some purpose in my life later? He may. And once I know that, now I'm accountable to that. So it's kind of like this. Um, when, when I felt the call to ministry, and there's a lot of different ways to skin this cat, I, I realized that I wanted to be educated uh, at a university level. That's what I felt I wanted to do. So there was an accountability to my calling that I put into action because I wanted to learn and grow. See what I'm getting at? So, so if, this is a silly example, but if the Lord changed my calling, he says, now I want you to be an auto mechanic, and he really speaks that to my heart, I'm accountable to go learn how to do it. I've got to put action to what he has spoken to me. You see, you see what I'm getting at? There's always accountability, the action to be like based on what you know God has said. So if, if I lack patience, and I say that because I do, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit has let me know for the, for the many times that he has that I lack patience. I'm the, I'm the kind of guy that wanted it yesterday. See, as, as somebody who leads in different settings, I have to be very careful because I'm the guy that just steps the, steps the pedal on the car and flying down the road and people are falling out of the car. I'm like, see you later. I, I'm just going. I have to learn to be slow. Right? I'm accountable to know that I lack patience and to work on it. Because I know, not only is the fruit of the Spirit patience, I also know by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I lack it. Now I'm accountable to that. You see what I'm getting at? For all the things that you know in life, in the basic level of being a Christian, all the way to individual and unique purposes, to what you know, you're accountable to it in the actions of your life. So what are you doing that partners with the Holy Spirit to bring to action what God has said. That's how purpose is lived. That's how making a difference happens. You make a difference for your own life, but then for them, whatever the sphere is of your purpose, then you're making a difference there. So I hope at the end of my life, my wife, if I go before her, will say he, was, he wasn't perfect, but he was a good husband. I hope she says that because I was putting action to my purpose with the help of God. 
I hope my kids will say my daddy wasn't perfect, but yet he was a good dad. I hope they say that. I hope they say that for when, uh, when I'm done pastoring at some day in my life, that the people that were in my congregation will say, you know, we know he wasn't perfect, but yeah, he was a good pastor. Why? Because I want to put action with the help of the Holy Spirit to the things I'm called to in my life. I want to be aware of it. And where I'm falling short, I don't want to ever blame shift some reason why I was falling short in certain things. So where I am failing as a husband, I can't blame shift that away. Now, here's the thing. Let's say I had, and I didn't, but let's say my parents were not good parents. Let's say they divorced. Let's say, let's say my home life was a mess growing up. I'm still accountable with the help of the Holy Spirit to be a good husband. And I understand there's a lot of things that have to be worked through, and that's just not an easy button change for people, but yet I believe God will help us. See what I'm getting at? That I can't blame. So uh, I grew up with, with, with a hearing problem, as you know, if you know me. Still have it. Grew up with it. I still have it. I'm still growing up. I'm old yet. You know, you know, I went through some stuff because of it. Not terrible things, but I, I, I was a very, I was telling, I was actually talking to somebody about this on Sunday. They were asking me something. There, there was a, when I was uh, in college, I was home uh, on, on Christmas break, and I don't know who I was with. I was in, in a room in my house, and I started laughing really loud. And I'm not like that. And my dad walked in the room, and he goes, man, I haven't heard my little boy in years. My personality as a junior high kid changed, and I became introverted because of what happened in, in my social settings because of my hearing problem. It changed who I was. It actually became to the point that I didn't want to be in social settings. I, I would rather be by myself or just a, a couple of my closer friends. And it just changed who I was. My dad saw a very loud, outgoing, and I'm not outgoing, outgoing, rambunctious little kid changed. And he said, man, I heard my little boy. I haven't heard that kid in years. It's that loud laughter. I was changed by something that happened. Now, see, as I'm progressing in life and I'm starting to hear things I'm called to do, I can't use that as an excuse not to be what God has called me to be. You see what I'm getting at? I can't blame shift what has happened in my life to stop what God is leading. So I have to allow the Holy Spirit to help me overcome and be what he's called me to be. You see what I'm getting at? That there's process, and, and you know what happens in that? Again, it wasn't terrible stuff, and I didn't have these deep, dark wounds or anything, but yet there was, a, there was a little bit of a healing process in my life that I allowed to happen because I allowed God to take me somewhere where I was not and call me into something that I did not want to do, partly because of how I became as introverted as I was. See what I'm getting at? You can't blame shift life and tell God, I can't, I won't, it's not possible. Is, is he, listen, is he saying it to you? Is he calling you? Well, don't you think that he can help you get there despite what has happened in your past? Absolutely. You have to learn, listen, you have to learn to trust him. See, Nehemiah, this was a big undertaking. Yes, it, it was something that was burning in his heart, but yet he still had to trust God in the process. Because having something from God is not the same thing as putting it into practice. It's certainly not the same thing as seeing it accomplished. Especially in, in the case of Nehemiah, when there's all sorts of opposition happening the entire time it's happening. Read the story. He constantly had to trust and lean on God and walk in wisdom to live out what God has said. You've got to trust him. I think a lot of times we hear from God and we put something on a shelf because the trust may not be there entirely that this is really something I should be doing or something I, or something I can do. God will never call you to do something that you can't do. Now, in the case of Nehemiah, it may not just be you. It took a whole, and if you read down through it, it started listing all the names and people that were helping him. It could be a whole group of people, right? But yet he was a part of it, right? He ended up being governor there for a little bit. 
God, God used him in a great way. So in other words, we've got to start putting away excuses. Why we can't. So and I know I've said this to you recently, but as a staff has only believed our campuses when we, we talk as a staff, we, we have a little saying, find a reason to say yes. We, we say it all the time. Find a reason to say yes. Because it's easy to always to say no, or I can't, or that's not possible. When it comes to God, don't ever say it's not possible. Don't limit him. Find a reason to say yes. When God speaks, so, so again, on a very basic level, when I lack patience, I can say, I just have always been this way, and I just don't think I can change. Really? How about I get the attitude, yes, I can change, and it doesn't have to be way down the road, but God can help me today to be long-suffering <laughs> and patient beyond, beyond my, my abilities that I think I have at the time. Find a reason to say yes and believe, right? So if God is saying, then, man, why, why don't I just have even the size of a mustard seed to say, well, yep, why not? It may not be in full fruition tomorrow, next week, or next year, but you get on the road and you start walking what God has said. Again, that's in all things, in my own Christian life, becoming Christ-like, it's in, in my marriage, as, as fathering, as, as the things that I'm called to do. It's not always all done tomorrow, but if I am on the road, See, God doesn't always give us an easy road, but he gives us a road. At least you know where to go. He didn't promise it's going to be easy, but he gave you a place to go, right? So why don't we trust him and have faith, believe that he will help you do what he's asking of you. And there's nothing impossible for him. If he can save your soul and cover your sins and drive the sins away from your life, why can't he do all the rest of the stuff? I think, I think it's wild how we, we believe. You think about this. We believe in this incredible, massive miracle in our life that God has not only forgiven us, but made us an entire new creation. We believe that, right? But then I go, I don't know if I can learn to be patient. You see what I'm getting at? It's like, what in the world? Why, why do you believe such an incredible thing, but yet you can't believe that? If God spoke it, my goodness, he'll help you live it. So my entire life, my, my perspective of life, ever since I got saved when I was 17 was, if, if God says it, I'm just going to, you ever hear, I'm going to jump and ask how high on the way up? You ever hear that saying? God said, jump, I'm going to jump. Well, how high was I supposed to go? But I'm already jumping. That's the attitude that I want to have in life. I've had that ever since I was 17, got saved. You know why? Because at that moment, I didn't know better. And after I got smarter, which I really wasn't getting smarter, it kind of pushed back against that step-out faith. You know what I mean? We get back to step-out faith. We reason ourselves too hard out of what God has said. Our mind gets way too involved. Now come the excuses. Especially if you're a planner and a detailer. I mean, what I'm talking about. It, it sometimes got to let God be the plan and not you try to plan him. Right? So what excuses do you have for why you're not doing what you know you're supposed to do? What excuses do you, do you have that keep you in the status quo? What excuses do you have that have stopped you from changing? What excuses do you have? Throw them out the door. Again, we go back to Moses, burning bush. He calls Moses to get the people out. Moses starts to argue with him, giving all these excuses. Eventually, the Bible says the anger of the Lord burned against him. He was just done with his business. Just stop already, would you? I'm here. I'm talking to you. I mean, this is a miraculous, amazing moment, and you're telling me why you can't. I stutter. I have all these different, I just can't do this. Okay, I'll, I'll, bring, I'll bring Aaron with you, but listen, stop. Just do what I'm asking you to do. And then, then, notice, then he had to go. When did the miracle start? 
after he went. He showed him about the staff. Then he's like, okay, but the rest of it, you're going to have to go, and it's going to play out as you go. He didn't map the whole thing out for him. Steps induce next steps. Steps induce the next plan. Steps induce the next work of God. We just got to start going down the road that we know we're supposed to walk on. God responds to action. The more you sit there and don't do something, the more it's just going to be inactive. Right? So what has God spoken to you? Listen, I want a church. I want a church full of active, active people. Let me tell you something I don't like about church and the way churches run sometimes. I don't like churches that end up being the only source of people putting action into works. Like, for instance, um, is an easy example would be like outreach. You notice we don't do a ton of outreach around here. We, we, do, we will do some more things, but I don't want you to think your avenue of delight in the world is waiting for the next time we do an outreach. That's what I'm getting at. I want active people beyond what we do here. You realize that your purposes in life will go way beyond this church. A lot of your purposes in life have nothing to do with this church. Uh, so here's a story. So I had, uh, you guys remember years and years ago, there was a show on television called The Extreme uh, Home Makeover Edition with that dude that had the spiky hair. Remember that guy? How many of you know that show? They would pick a house and come in in like a week or whatever, just totally redo the thing, and, and they put, ah, oh, it's amazing, brand new house. So I had a girl in my youth ministry that she felt the Lord told her to start doing that, but just painting the house, nothing else, but just paint. So she wanted to find a house that was, uh, the outside would, would have been kind of a, a wood, not, not like uh, uh, siding, but that needed paint, knock on the door and ask, can we paint your house it was an amazing thing, and she did. And uh, she came to me and said, okay, but will you give me the money to do it? I said, no. God didn't call me to do this. He called you to do it. Well, can, can, you, can you advertise for people to help me? Oh, sure, yeah. I, I told people about it, and, and like one person came to help her. And there was another person with her, and that person came and said, man, I can't believe people in church didn't come help us do this. I said, whose vision was this? Yours. Why, why are you mad that, that the church isn't funding and supporting what you're doing? I'm glad you're doing it, but it's not my calling. People want to join with you all day long, but you can't expect everybody else to do and fund what you want to do. If God called you to do it, you know he's going, to, he's going to supply. He's going to help you. He's going to draw people alongside of you that grab your vision. Don't get mad when somebody else doesn't want to do it with you. Right? See what I'm getting at. I, I believe you, a lot of you have purposes that go well beyond this building and ultimately have nothing to do with us other than this, you're getting equipped here and then you're going to go do it. And I'm just going to go, you're amazing. I'm cheering you on. Go for it. I'll be your biggest cheerleader ever. Just don't expect me to be there with you. I have a lot of stuff I have to do. If I abandon what I'm called to do, then, then I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. See what I'm getting at. But the point is that but God is with you. And he spoke to you. That means he's going to back you. That means the authority of your calling goes with you. That means he will supply. He will do all of those things if you heard from him all the way down from becoming more patient to being a better spouse to being a better uh, uh, father all the way then to whatever else you're doing, right? He supplies it all. So get stuff off the shelf and blow the dust off it and put it back in your heart. And, and, and by the way, if any of you ever came to me and said, man, I, I feel called to do this, that means I'm going to have to relocate. I'm going to say, amen, I'll help you pack up. Not that I want you to go, but I want you to pursue. I want you to do what God has said. I, I'm, not, I'm not interested 
in, in trying to make people come to this church. I'm interested in you doing what God called you to do. And if that eventually separates you from this body, then go in Jesus' name and God will be with you. See what I'm getting at? I want you to achieve callings in your life that God put on your heart. Let's get after it. Take some steps. Maybe get a little courage. So I, I'll close with this. So um, I see a picture of a, a lion cub standing there looking all mean. But right behind it was the mama lion. You know what I'm talking about? You ever see that picture? And this guy thinks he's tough, but no, it's just because mom is there. That's you and God. You can have courage. You can have some confidence. You can have some assurance. Because God is backing you. And whatever he said, start walking. Will, 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 you, will you make mistakes? Yep. You fall and bang your knee up? And, yep. Will, will, there, will there be people that maybe don't like what you're doing? Yep. Opposition? Yep. Were the people that try to shout your dream down? Yep. But see, I've learned to be very good at not listening to other people when I know the Lord has spoke to me. I've learned to be very good about that. By the way, that's why I don't go tell everybody my business, by the way. Don't tell everybody your business. Tell people you know that will encourage you, will be honest with you, that you trust their wisdom. Don't tell everybody your business. But when you feel the Lord said, then have confidence and see what he will do when you start putting action to what he has said. Be like me and my head down there and, and amazingly, and they did it in a short amount of time. It, it amazed the people around them. They rebuilt those walls and it was part of this big process of this, this restoration. Now, eventually the Romans knocked it down. But hey, the point is, in that, in that time, God was doing some things and all the way getting to who? Jesus. That's part of the story. That's why it's in the Bible. Right? Okay. So how many of you know responsibility that you have in your life? Let me see. Who knows? And let's go. Amen? Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you, you do speak to us very specifically and individually. Now, I pray for anybody that doesn't quite know maybe bigger picture stuff. I pray that they, they grab hold of what's already in their hand. And, and what we would consider the basic common purpose we all share, they are, they are incredible and wonderful in and of themselves, Lord. Then no matter where we're at, whatever stage in life that we are at, that we are living in accountability to what we do know. So, Lord, I just pray that you help us. Give us wisdom. Encourage us. Strengthen us. Send people our way that, that can help us and, and teach us. Send people our way that will encourage us. Send people our way that will help us. As we continue just to live out the things that you have placed in our hands. Lord, and I thank you for that. And I, I praise you for that, that this church that we have purpose here together, but when we leave here, that we are making a difference on all different levels, in our home life, our jobs, and things that we're doing outside of our vocations, that we are making a difference for the kingdom. Because at the end of the day, all these purposes end up glorifying you. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. All right, before you leave, before you leave, you have one, one thing. I need you to ask your neighbor if you have anything that I can pray with you about before you go. Now, if you're sitting there with your spouse and you want to bring somebody else in, that's cool. But ask, and if they say yes, then pray. If not, high five them, love them, and we'll, we'll see everybody Sunday. Okay? But just check before you go. All right, we'll see you this weekend.